It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning into Counterculture. Yes, I am your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Love what God's been doing with Counterculture. We get to find the coolest people who are loving and serving uh, the, the world to help us become a more unified, a more loving place. So Counterculture, really, Jesus was Counterculture. He went against uh, the culture of his day and encouraging uh, in so many ways. And we get to find the Jesus people around this country who are helping us uh, do the same. And so in today here in studio, I have Jason Corley. Jason, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Jason has spent the last 20 years working with international nonprofits. How many countries have you been to? Oh, I, I don't even know. You don't know? I don't even know. You don't do that ca- challenge with other world travelers having places? Well, there's an app out there called Bin. Bin? B-E-E-N. Yeah. Like where you've been. Yeah. And I always plug in different countries, and it's got the beautiful spinning map of all oh, the cool. places in the world you've been. But I've never actually— you never counted? Like 22% is what it tells me. That's pretty good. So of 100, that's that's like 40, 50 countries. That's not bad. Wow. Okay. He's currently the director of operations for a group called New Generations. Uh, He's worked with universities, corporate corporations, megachurches, and nonprofits. And uh, he's married, has been married for 23 years. He he looks younger than than the 23 (laughs) years. He, He aged well. Um, three and three adult children. So his kid, he, so he's like like more advanced than me in like just about every way. I'm like, yeah. You know, so <laughs> I just started young. You started young. Well, that's that helps too. I was immature, and no, you know, I, I was 33 when I got married, so I got a late start. But no, Jason, thank you again for being on the show. And so just so our 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 listeners get to know you a little bit, because you're not just some cause or a guy who works for. Nonprofit or something like that. Right. We want to know a little bit more about you. So we play this game called Fake News. Okay. It's kind of like two truths and a lie, but it's actually just one truth and one lie, and I don't know which one's which. Okay. So you say one of each, and I'll try to guess. And just so you know, I am so I've thought I was so good at this when I started the show, and I have been failed so much. The pe- I just the guest uh, another guest just gave me like a mercy one and and gave me two truths. Okay, well if there's only two, you get a fifty fifty shot. I got a fifty fifty shot, and you think that would be I have a fifty fifty <laughs> record, but I don't. I'm just too trusting. So go go for it. All right, so here's here's my two. Jason has performed assessments of 136 medical facilities around the world. Okay. Or Jason has negotiated agreements with warlords and the Taliban in Afghanistan. Oh my goodness. Okay, so one is like so outrageously out there just because you're, you know, say you work for the Taliban. That's just not something you make up unless you've had some experience. And Jason's been around. And so I'm just going to say the first one is fake news, the assessments. You're actually wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So well, when I got done with my seven years at this medical relief organization, I went through all my files and found that I had visited 136 medical facilities around the world. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
So, but you didn't have anything to do with the Taliban? The first time I'd ever left the country, I went to Uzbekistan okay. and Afghanistan with the founder of this organization. Okay. And he did the negotiating. I just sat next to him oh, sat underneath next. this mesquite tree eating grapes with these bearded guys. <laughs> okay. And uh, local warlords wow. and Taliban basically looking for permission to be in their area to help the refugees that were in Azri, uh, Azri Sharif. Or, oh, my goodness. I just forgot the name of it. Azri Sharif. Sorry. Okay. It's in the north of Afghanistan. I'm going to get some angry emails. I, I butchered it. Yeah. I wish okay. I could do that that's over okay. again. <laughs> that's all right. Man, that's no, been 20 years ago. 20 years. So that's – see, but you had some personal experience. You were actually in the room when this was going down. Well, or, it was or the, the under the tree. Yeah. Under we had to tree. walk by guards. Literally looked like something out of a movie with like bullets wow. down their shoulders, draped around their shoulders with rocket launchers on their shoulders. And they're, they're like walk, like letting us come and in. you're getting to meet And the, then we sat down. Like the, literally the only thing that was you know on this dry desert landscape <laughs> was this rug and a bearded dude sitting in you know on the ground. Wow. And we sat with him and ate grapes and talked Talk. about our work. And uh, so, we won't have time to get into it, but later yeah. his men robbed us. And, oh, uh, really? And broke up to our building on fire. And yeah, our. Oh, that didn't go that well for your first. So you no, get, that was my first experience out of the country. It's getting robbed by the Taliban. <laughs> and, and clearly that didn't stop you. No, I was hooked by then. You were hooked. So what hooked you? Um. Well, for me, it was just a watching how God just began to open doors as I began to say yes to different opportunities that opened up. Yeah. And it, it just felt like we were stepping into the stream of activity of seeing God do amazing things. And so I think there's, there's something really contagious about that. And we don't necessarily – because we don't always experience in our day-to-day life and our workplaces here. We, I mean, God is at work. But there's something when you step out, you've stepped out in faith – Yep. You're under a tree eating grapes with the Taliban, mm-hmm. and you, you yet you see God at work. And from your other, the other stories that might have been around there, I mean, it's just absolutely like, yeah, it's it's contagious. Like, like how can I not be doing something like this? Yep. Is that right? Am I? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. I, I think that's actually very fair. But just to make sure I'm being clear, I was in Mazari Sharif, Afghanistan. Mazari Sharif. Yeah, I had to double check my check. Mazari Sharif. Okay, good. We got that. So, no, I've never. But yes, it's contagious when you feel like you're walking in step with God and you're watching Him open doors and do incredible things. Wow. Yeah. So you were so this at, at this time period, you were in corporate America, and someone just said, "You need to come with me to tra- tell me what how that ha- ended up happening." Oh, actually, um, uh, before that, I was working for a Fortune 50 company. Okay. Um, well, here's here's the quick headlines. I spent about seven years for a, a Fortune 50 company, climbing up through the ranks. Then I spent seven years in this medical relief and nonprofit. Then I spent about seven years with this larger church, and now I'm with this uh, new nonprofit. But uh, um, when I transitioned out of corporate America into being involved with this uh, nonprofit, originally it was mostly just managing logistics for them. Okay. Like I had managed a warehouse, a regional distribution center for this large company. And so this medical relief organization was looking for some help just getting their warehouse organized. Okay. And so I started helping them out, uh, but had never traveled the country, like never been outside of the country, never been anywhere. Yeah. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I think that the story that you're hinting to was one day I walked out of the warehouse after being involved in their work and uh, doing all this medical relief, just shipping medical equipment around the world. Right. I walked outside. I ran into the guy who owned the building. Okay. And he's like, where have you been lately? And I'm like, what do you mean, where have I been? I've been here working. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, like, you work for the largest distributor of donated medical supplies. What country have you been to lately? I'm like, right. I've never been out of the country. Yeah. And he's like, how, 
how is that even possible that you're working for this group? And I said, well, it's expensive. Right. And he's right. like, well, how much could it cost? I'm like, it's got to be at least four grand to go somewhere. Right. And this was back when people carried checkbooks with him. And he pulled out a checkbook and he wrote $4,000 on this check and handed it to me. And he's oh like, my God. <laughs> you need to go somewhere. And so wow. I went from the warehouse to the headquarters of the group I was with then. It was called Project Cure. I went to the, the founder and I said, I, I don't know where you're going to next, but it looks like I'm going with you. And right. I showed him the check, told him the story. And <laughs> Yeah, so that that was how I ended up in Uzbekistan and Afghanistan. Wow, what a trip. And so uh, clearly it opened the world to you. And so that now get that was just the start, but what did that lead to? Tell me what like that process and how it like opened up your eyes to what like God's doing in the world or, or a bigger sense of who That's God is. That's a great question. Um you know, for me, I'd never had the opportunity to live in one place for a long period of time. Right. And I think certain people have a perspective after having lived out, in, out, in, out of the United States right. in one place and they get to know people intimately. For me, that wasn't my experience. I started traveling all over the world, visiting these medical facilities. After I'd been with the founder in Uzbekistan, um, they said, well, why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? Hey, right. your brothers in Russia, why don't we send you there? And so after visiting 136 facilities, it's like you're you're just getting kind of the t- hitting the top perspective into a bunch of different places. And right. all of a sudden you start realizing um, you get a different perspective on problems, on the yes. problems that you're seeing around the world um, rather than being so emotionally attached to that problem going, we got to fix right. this, seeing kind of bigger trends that are happening. Right. And it just it began to open my eyes and... Uh, during those seven years I worked for that medical relief organization, I, I began to sense this burr under my saddle of what I was noticing, what I, what the different trends that I was seeing, and some of the challenges that exist in you know how we typically go about trying to make a difference in the world. So, so you, what did you observe in you, uh, working across around the world? Like there's some, there's a pro, there's certain like common problems that you said this needs to be dealt with or needs something needs to change in this and that you want to be a part of that change. Yeah, so I would say that um, um, no matter where you go, there, there are problems that need to be solved, um, some of them, you know, life-threatening problems. Right. Um, and a lot of times we get committed to, to making changes to these problems but lack a bigger perspective. Right. And so over time, I suppose the best analogy that I've heard is uh, somebody used this as an, ex- an analogy. At one point in time, I was visiting uh, Egypt, and this person began to tell me the story of, you know, a village that lived downriver from a dam. Mm-hmm. And the dam began to crack and break, and water flooded this village. Now, uh, the media comes in and starts showing all these wet people. People right. are soaking wet. They're, you know, showing this all over the place. And so um, people decided we should start sending them towels to dry off. Right. Uh, then they started this social campaign. People started donating donate towels. towels. Everybody's like, hey, donate towels. We all feel good. We start donating oh towels. My goodness. We start shipping towels there. Lots of people are now getting dried off. The media is now showing wet people being dried off. And good. it looks like it's a great thing. Right. Right. And we oftentimes celebrate that as a great thing. Right. The problem is we never went upriver to actually solve the crack in the dam. Right. And so a lot of times these problems perpetuate themselves. Yes. But we end up feeling really good because we shipped a bunch of stuff. Right. Or we you know, donated our towels and we yeah. feel good about it, but we don't understand the the cycles that are creating these problems. And for me, the broken dam that I observed as I traveled around, a lot of times it's, it's a broken worldview or it's mm. coming forward with ideas that are not helpful, that are oftentimes counterproductive mm. to solving the long-term problem. And so, 
you know, we live in a world right now where everybody through social media can see what's going on around the world. We can see that it's broken. Right. I mean, it's right. clearly broken. Um, the, the issue is what ideas are we going to employ to actually make a change? Mm. Right. Hollywood has ideas on how we should sure. make a change. Politicians have ideas on how to make change. Right. You know, churches have ideas. Right. Universities have ideas. And so, you know, everybody's got these different ideas of how about how we're going to go and make a change. Uh, the big question they have to wrestle with is, um, are those who follow Jesus going to be different in how we approach things? Or are we going to employ the same ideas same as the rest I- right. of the world, but just do it with a bigger smile on our face? Right. Right. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right. right? Yeah. We're, but we're pretty much doing the same thing. Right. Right. And so for me, the burr under my saddle was um, after a while of trying to help people and help people, help people, you start realizing these problems are not going away. Right. And if we're if we're doing it without ever speaking of Jesus, there there might actually be a problem there right. that we we've got to address. And um, and you're using Jesus not just like hey make a convert uh, here's a bottle of water here's a gospel message go you know this you've just heard Jesus you're talking about the way of Jesus and his teaching his thinking that's right, that's right. Bil- uh, and the the fuller sense of walking with Jesus that's right. I think sometimes the best way for us to understand it here, because sometimes the world out there, some of us haven't been there, and so it's hard to imagine it. So if we just look at our own neighborhood, if we gave a bunch of money or a bunch of stuff, a bunch of things to American people to try to solve their problems, I mean, even if you gave them $10,000, right. just said, everybody in my community, I'm going to give them $10,000, do I actually think that's going to solve the problem? Right. It may right. solve a problem. Right. But it doesn't solve the issue of, you know, uh, a wife who is cheating on their husband. Right. Or a husband who's abusing his wife. Right. Or a child who's lost in alcohol and drug addiction. Or a promiscuous daughter. Like, those right. things don't actually stop when you ship a bunch of things or when you give a bunch of money. Right. Like, or let's when, make a cheap dam and uh, with uh, low-quality materials. I mean, that's a, that's a worldview too, right? That's right. They can make, that's you know, right. Yeah. Temporary fixes. Temporary fixes. And so, you know, for us, it's okay. But what I have seen in my life is when people understand who Jesus is and the freedom that comes in, in him, that they start following him and walking with him, it does help a, a woman mm. to, to be less promiscuous or a husband to be less abusive or right. children to get their lives right and to get off drugs and alcohol. Like, well, and it, the promiscuity abuse goes both ways. So yeah, don't, I'm course. not trying right. to be no. gender specific here. Right, no, of but, course. But the, the broader issue is you, we have to start addressing the ideas that are shaping the way people are living their life. If you're not addressing those ideas, uh, then it's a big problem. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. I have Jason Corley from New Generations having a fascinating conversation about uh, worldview and what this looks like in the world and, and the world around us. Uh, how is New Generations directly addressing this type of thinking and act? Yeah, so New Generations is all about seeking chain reactions of disciples making disciples that leads to churches planting churches and ultimately entire movements of people coming uh, to follow Jesus. Um, that, is, that is what beats in our heart is we want to see people come to faith in Jesus. Um, the way that we typically approach that is first in um, going, identifying a community that we want to engage with identifying what the needs are. Give me an example, just so it's not so esoteric. Sure. Um, This last fall, there was uh, a big flood that happened um, in a place that I'm not going to mention for security reasons, but there was lots of flooding that was happening in in Africa. Uh, This particular community was actually radical Muslims who had been persecuting our people, um, even murdered one of our church planters, 
um, beat people up with machetes. I mean, okay. it's a bad, bad place, bad, bad place yes. to be. You're right. Not a lot of Jesus followers there. Right. Um, but a flood came through and wiped them out. Right. Our regional director reached out to me and, and our president and said, hey, look, we want to do a little fundraiser and raise some money to go in and help these people. Mm-hmm. So through some business people here in Arizona and some other gifts, we were able to raise like $130,000. And he goes into this community and he, start, and he says, hey, look, we want to help you. Now, if you go into any African community, you usually have to sit down with the elders. Right? Yes. So he's sitting with them and he's like, look, we want to help you. Um, and they said, but why, why would you want to help us? Like we're the people who killed your guy. Right. Like, we're the people who've been beating up your people. Wow. We're the ones who burned down your churches. Like, why would you want to help us? They said, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And um, so we're here. We want to actually help you out. Um, they were blown away. Wow. They said, look, even our Muslim brothers aren't helping us right now. Our own government's not helping us right now. Like, we've been completely yeah. wiped out. The last people in the world that we would expect to come and help us are you. You. Wow. And so he came and he started helping them. We started helping all these families. We pro- provided food and mattresses and pillows and loving on them. But the amount of curiosity that that created, mm. not just from the elders, but from the community, people started going, this is different. Wow. These guys are different. And this was literally just in the fall of last year. We've now seen over 100 people come to faith, 100 people will be baptized. And we haven't seen that kind of progress in this particularly radicalized community in 100 years of missionary works. Wow. But it's because you actually obeyed Jesus and loved your enemy. In a very tangible, practical yeah, way. Yeah. Right? Like when Jesus says, if you hear these words of mine and you put it into practice, yes. you're like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Yes. He's talking about people who put, like, actually, actually do, do what I'm right. saying. Not just listen to it. Do what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Or I, I, mean, I mean well. I wish them well or I'll pray for them. <laughs> but I just don't want to. Get... That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So another wow. That's uh, a great story. Another example to me of you know to take this dam analogy and apply it to another story. I have a friend. He was in a Islamic country and lived there for about seven years. And uh, in the beginning, he heard about this village in the south, and he started traveling there regularly. And this this village is a mess. Mm. There's you know nothing's really painted. There's no vegetation. There's no flowers. It's just dilapidated and a mess. But he's new. He doesn't understand the language and the culture. But he begins to visit and get to know them. Right, right. Um, over time, over years and years, he starts learning language. He starts understanding. He starts staying with them more. And he starts realizing that um, they have this ritual that they do at night. They sit around the fire and they beat on drums and they name everybody who was killed when their village, which is actually about a mile away, was invaded and taken over by these people who still live there. So where they currently live, they don't think of as their home. Their home is over there, and those bad people are still there. Wow. And so they chant the names of the people who died, and then they chant evil, vengeful thoughts on those people. Wow. Those evil people. Right, right. So after years of watching this, he's going, man, these guys really feel like i got to challenge them on this. So he yeah. sits them down one day, and he's talked about a lot of other ways of Jesus. But today he decides, we're going to talk about grace and forgiveness. And he sits down with the elders, and he tells them, more about the ways of Jesus and grace and forgiveness. And they got up and walked out on him. Wow. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no, I just offended them. Yeah. He said they were gone for like four hours. And they finally came back and the elders sat down with him and he said, what you said is right and it's true. We need to go and be reconciled with these, this other community. Wow. Go with us. Okay. So he goes with them. They sit down. Um, this beautiful thing of reconciliation and coming together. It's so beautiful. Even these Muslims are like, 
this is incredible. We should start telling other people about this. And so the elders from both of those villages started traveling around in the south and telling other communities about the ways of Jesus and forgiveness and peace. So Muslim and, elders telling to other Muslim elders. Of yes. like, okay. But they're also on their own journey sure, of discovering sure. the ways of Jesus, yeah, right? Sure. Like, uh, so they're on their own journey. But they begin to start sharing these ideas. And other people are like drawn to this idea of forgiveness and grace. There isn't a lot of that talked about in Islam. So anyhow, so he said uh, when it got to his last visit before he left the country after seven years of being there, he went down to the community. The community is beautiful. It's painted. There's flowers everywhere. And he goes, Jason, it was because they now believe this is their home. And wow. they've, they've made peace with those people. They now treat this differently. Yes. Right? I think we've all heard this, this idea that uh, vengeful thoughts is like drinking poison in hopes that somebody else will die. Yes. Right? Like they yeah. were drinking that poison every night. Chanting and those it, it names. Was physically yeah. represented in their community. Now, if you can imagine, seven years before, had the Peace Corps or the UN right. or any other group come in, they would have said, hey, let's paint some walls. Let's plant, plant some flowers. Right. But I'm telling you, those things would have died. Because it wasn't there. Right. It wasn't theirs. Right. So if we want to see long-term sustainability in change, yeah. we have to start talking about helping people change their ideas, mm. what motivates them, how they see things, their worldview. And the only way that comes is by teaching them the ways of Jesus. Wow. What a great example. That's really uh, – ideas have consequences. Both internal – we think – we often internalize it. Oh, I, I'm now forgiven. I'm reconciled with this person. But you're actually talking about a community transformed by that idea. That's right. That's right. And I think that's the hard part for me when I was traveling a lot with Project Cure back in the day. Uh, probably the most shocking one of all was uh, discovering that there are people in tribal areas of Africa where we know it's, AIDS has been rampant for right. a long time, right? Yes. This, this would be the wetness in this, and you know, in the right. analogy we had before. Yeah. So let's give them right. But you, when you start idea, finding out the idea that's the crack in the dam that's creating the problem, one of them was when I discovered that in some communities they believe that if you're sexually impure. You can cleanse yourself by having sex with, with a virgin. A virgin. Yes. Heard this idea. Yes. Right. Yeah. When I was working with Project Cure, we were working with first ladies because they wanted want printed up materials to give to their own people because they won't listen to the white devil, but they'll listen to me. Please, we've got to start telling people, right. stop raping young children. Right. Right. You literally you see banners that say rape is wrong. Yes. And you're going, why, why would you need to tell people rape is wrong? Because they have this kind of witchcraft idea of... You know, you cleanse right. your impurities by being with somebody who's pure. So now men who aren't some Don Juan are going right. around raping young women to cleanse themselves. Yeah. That's a wow. very dangerous idea. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of times, this is the most controversial thing, I think, is the ideas that are doing the most harm oftentimes come from an improper worldview, many times based in a religious perspective that's unhealthy. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Another example would be if you go to a Hindu culture where they, they see a god in every animal. Yes. They have plenty of food. Oftentimes the, that food is being uh, eaten by mice, defecated right. on by mice, being right. contaminated by mice that they won't deal with because... That's a living uh, uh, god uh, potential. That's right. Yeah. So this idea... So anyhow, right. uh, ideas are dangerous. So one thing when you travel, you see these these thoughts become very... Uh, you become very aware of them because they're so in your face. Yep. Like like you go to India and you see people... I saw people worshiping a rock or something like that. Yep. And we can think about that it's an issue for over there, but it actually is here in our, our country, in our city, right? Don't we have also have bad ideas that oh, shape our culture? 
Well, I think that the greatest deception ever pulled on the American people is that secular humanism isn't an ideology. It isn't yeah. a religion. It is, yeah. it is a religion. And they have manifestos where they've written what they want uh, to educate us on. And we see them all as individual issues. Right. And we don't see how it's permeating our schools, our, our universities, our political sure. systems, even our churches. Sure. Because we don't see it as an ideology. And right. so we've embraced a lot of secular humanistic ideas that are not that are contrary to a biblical worldview. Right. Like materialism. There's so many ways that I, and I was aware that I actually had, when I came many years overseas and came back to the U.S., I had like even more cultural shock coming into my own back to America. Like right. just because it was just I was so aware of different ways of thinking. Well, this has been a great conversation. I so appreciate you coming on the show. How can people learn more about New Generations and the work that you're doing? Uh, they can go to newgenerations.org. So that's okay. plural newgenerations.org, and you can learn more there. Uh, we're currently right now uh, raising up some money to, to be helpful to uh, this genocide that's going on in the Horn of Africa and minister to the people there. Um, but just as a quick heads up um, before we run out of time about new generations, um, our goal when we enter community and we start seeing uh, things start to change is to identify what we would call a person of peace yes, and equipping that person to host then a discovery Bible study. Yeah, And the whole point of a discovery Bible study is let's read what Jesus says and then let's commit to each other to go and obey it. Love that. Right? So yeah. this week, let's go out and do something this week. How many people do you know go to church but aren't walking around going, I'm going to do this one I'm thing. Obey I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to put this into practice yeah. this week. So let's – what a great challenge for all of us. We hear the words and what am I going to do to obey that? So we often get practical on the show. This has been a great conversation. Jason, again, thank you for being on Counterculture. Appreciate you. Bless you in your ministry. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org. This program was sponsored by Care Portal.